0: Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm
1: Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. We're going to start off with show notes as usual. Mm -hmm. Um, As most of you know at this point, we have gone ahead and canceled our Evening with Medium events for July and August. Tickets have been refunded. If you were a ticket holder to either of those events and you have not seen the refund come in, please email us at info at buysarlo.com or call us directly at 705-476-476. 2613. Tickets are on sale for our December event. We're crossing Mm -hmm. our fingers and toes, making sure, pardon me, hoping that that goes through. Um, But we will keep you posted um, as we know
0: more in the future. We have a second podcast series. It's called Sips of Sanity. Those are five 10 to 15 minute shows on emotional and spiritual intelligence. It's loaded with tools for you. Kelly and I work really hard to put them into a series of five that run the very first week of each month. The very first show is always available for free at the website by sarlo.com. The remaining four are found at a website called patreon.com backslash by Sarlo.
1: Yeah, and I—it's—it's it's funny.
0: We're, we're always trying to figure out a
1: different or smoother way to do all of our, our intros. Um, so Karen has said that the first show is available on the website, and that's correct. From there, you can listen to it on Google Podcasts. You can listen to it on Apple. We're now on Spotify, and that's there too. Um, or you can obviously get the first one on Patreon.com as well as the rest of the shows, um, and it's on YouTube. So you have a variety of ways to listen. Mm-hmm. The website just kind of directs you to all of those choices. Right. Um, so get that wherever you wherever you prefer.
0: Yeah, can I I was just going to chime in and say that when you're on patreon.com that there are other tools that go with the Sips of Sanity series like reflective questions and uh, trackers and all kinds of things for you. So you can go in and take a look at all the different tiers, look at the amounts of money. Um, And yes, this is a monetized site to help Kelly and I pay for our equipment, our new cameras. Um, So we appreciate if you're on that site and you're financially supporting us, or if you're at YouTube and you're subscribing or you're hitting like, or you're sharing us with somebody or referring, there's just tons of ways that you can support us that can either be through your generosity of spirit or through financial means. And we appreciate everything. Well said.
1: Um, and then on top of all of that, our businesses are still up and running. We mm-hmm. have not agreed to open our office to in-person events just yet. We are still waiting for our comfort level to shift, um, as well as the fact that we're non-essential. Um, so we will certainly let you know when that's available to you. But we are still seeing clients all over the world, as well as locally, mm-hmm. um, in a, or through Skype, FaceTime, telephone, and Zoom, as well as WhatsApp, if that is uh, something that you would like to, to seek out out. And gift certificates are still available as well. We can arrange for contactless pickup if you are here locally, or we can do an e-certificate for you as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Good? Yeah. Okay. let do this. Okay. Oh, you know what, Kelly? People do ask, um, how am I going to pay then? Um, so e-transfer is the... I still can't believe people ask that in this day and age. Yeah, they do. They st- Everybody still asks how to make payment. Um, even people in other countries, they still ask. So uh, there is e-transfer, of course, is one way. Um, but we also take Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. So, And we have been for years. But it's just to let people understand and know that those methods of payment are there. And that if they're buying a gift certificate for somebody, they still can. Use those methods of payment, give us the person's name, and then the person just calls in when they want their session. And we have it all recorded that the session is prepaid. Good? Mm-hmm. Today's show, Mm -hmm.
1: this is... Well, hang on. Sorry. We have really exciting news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for your show, too. However, (laughs) I'm more excited for the fact that by the time this show airs, we will have already recorded with our brand new guest. Yes. Yes. Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Yes. So we've alluded, um, not alluded, sorry, we've actually referred to her book, yeah. Perfectly Hidden Depression. Mm-hmm. We have encouraged people to go check her out. Uh, um, her podcast is called Self Work. Um, I personally listen on Apple Podcasts. I know she's on Audible um, and Spotify as well. Um, so you can check her out before her show actually airs. Good. Perhaps if you want a little bit of an education, you know, before you're listening mm-hmm. to her here. She'll be joining us via Zoom um, because she's in Fayville, Arkansas. So she has a full-blown practice um, in Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and uh, from what I've understood through my own research, um, psychiatrists and psychologists are only allowed to counsel within their own state, um, and sometimes here in Canada, only within their own province. Right. So, um, you know, she's an absolute wonderful resource for uh, building up a lot of knowledge, but she's not able to counsel you unless you are listening and reside in Arkansas.
0: Right. Yes. So people can read the book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, again, by Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and they can listen to her podcast show, Self Work.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And and this is really exciting because, I mean, for t- today, for you and I, this is June 5th, mm-hmm. so we're still in the like early stages of fangirling that this is going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so by the time we yeah. start advertising that this
0: show with her will air, I'm sure we'll be... Full-blown fangirling. Yeah. And I think it would be good for people to know that you and I are reading the book. So by the time we interview her, we will both have completely read it. Mm -hmm. And we both listen to the podcast show. Mm -hmm. So, and we understand, well, and we will understand even more about perfectly hidden depression so that it's part of what we can do. And I don't mean that we're therapists. We always clarify we're not psychologists or therapists or psychiatrists. But it's good for people to hear how much we educate ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can have empathy for what people are going through. Mm-hmm. And and I maybe, you know, somebody listening to that might think, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. I never thought to read about bipolar if I don't have it. Mm. I, and, but I do. As soon as I know that people are experiencing something, I want to educate myself. Even though I might not want to be in the military. If someone else is, I still want to understand things about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as well, you know, for all listeners, they know we don't just channel messages, we also provide them with tools to help themselves. Right. So if we're hearing from the guides that you have depression, we're asking a gamut of other questions to say, you know, what kind, where did it come from? What can they do to help themselves? Mm-hmm. And within that question, what can they do to help themselves? Right. Her book
0: has become one of the things that we refer to. Yes. And, and I, I say that we've read it and that we listen to her show so that people really understand how much research we do before we refer. Mm-hmm. We don't just see the title of the book and say, go for it. Mm-hmm. We, we make sure that we've read it and that we've listened to her show. Well, and that it's well written and
1: that it's well yeah. researched and that they present themselves well. Yeah, um, yeah which I, this is kind of fun. Um, we had put out in the newsletter, Guess Who? And then we put out on Instagram yeah. and Facebook, Guess Who? So that listeners could get excited and, and start thinking about who might be on the show. And so we we got really great guesses, um, and some of those were incorrect but reminded us that we need to reach out to some people that we do want on the show, um, which is great. And I wanted to say to listeners, if you're wanting to do dirty work on our (laughs) behalf— Yes, (laughs) good work. Tag people. Good dirty work. (laughs) Tag people in our YouTube videos. Tag the people that you want to see on the show. So someone um, said to me, is it Susan Aglukark?" Because we've been talking about wanting her. And I thought, oh yeah, we should reach out. We can reach out, but it's going into likely a publicist's emails that's buried with requests for this person. right. If you're doing our good dirty work and you're tagging people saying, "Ellen, you need to be on this show. Ellen, yeah. you need to know who these people are, or whoever it is yeah. that you think would fit well with our—I yeah. I don't just want to say brand, but our message." Yes. Then, thank you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> thank you is right. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, there's there's a ton of people that we've we've desired to have, and so far we've done uh, many many authors, mm-hmm. and that's really exciting. There's a broader base that I think that we feel excited to reach too. And I know I got you into the office recently and I've been talking incessantly about Rain Wilson who plays Mm -hmm. Dwight, if Mm -hmm. anyone knows, he is such a beautiful human being Mm -hmm. who has a whole organization and foundation that's dedicated to asking um, philosophical questions, existential questions. Oh, we got to get him. He's lovely, and he just he fits so wonderfully with what we're trying to do for people. Yeah, you know, and and through COVID, he's been um, doing daily interviews with random people on his Instagram. It's yeah. called Hey Human, um, and he asks people questions like, you know, what's what's your human experience like? And it's such a broad question that people get to discuss what's mattered most to them, what they've learned yeah. through their human cool. existence instead of, what do you do? Right. <laughs> you know, and I just, um, anyway, yeah. we are always looking for people who, uh, first of all, who you would love to see interviewed as well, Yeah. Um, but who, who can really drive home uh, this message too. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and get, his, get one of his coworkers, John... I, Krasinski yeah. uh, from Some Good News, Yeah, I, I, I'm going to try and reach out to him. So if anybody's listening to this, can help me reach out to either one of these people because that's my job. Um, uh, help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Are we going to get into yes. the show? Okay. This is a part two. I had promised part two. Yeah. And fortunately... Um, this client called back right away to work on it. And and I want to point that out because some people think that when they call us, they can only call us once. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know where they get that idea, but they do.
1: Imagine being like, oh, I have a new doctor to call them like today about this issue and I can never call again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that comes from. I, I, huh. Again, I have no clue, but just pointing out and trying to educate people. But this is the part two to Kevin, the show we just... Did. At the beginning of the month. Right. And ha- having to do, do you remember the name of the show? You Can't Isolate Anger?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I'm going to go, Like I would like people, if they are just cluing into this one, yeah, sure, you can listen to this, but you might want to go back and listen to that other show and put the two together. So maybe a double coffee morning. If you can handle it. Sure. (laughs) Or a Saturday, Sunday coffee or something like that. But this is the part two. And so just to recap a little bit, Kevin was a client that I had spoken to who was really angry with his entire family. And it was a large family of siblings and his parents where his dad had passed. His mom was still alive. Siblings, I think, were still all alive. And he, was, he lives in a different city. He had left at a really young age as a teenager. He had had a lot of difficulties with the educational system. And he ran away from home because he knew he was going to be forced to go back into the educational system. And his parents had reached out when he ran away and didn't try and drag him back, but tried to support him where he was in life by helping him get a job and providing him with money to pay his rent and groceries so he could get on his feet. And some people might think that's terrible. He was only 16. They should have dragged his ass back home and made him go to school and made him, made him, made him, right? But they just didn't, they didn't have it within them to do that. And I don't remember all of the reasons why, but he moved on with his life also just don't think that's
1: fair. Well, <laughs> because some people really do know themselves that young. Oh, I agree. And, I mean, we see there are people who have gone off to college at 14 and 16 and earned master's degrees and doctorates because they're so self-assured and independent.
0: Yes. And and he had struggled as well with the medical community at that time. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to say this is 2020, but I mean, he's like in his 60s now. So he was struggling with a medical community who had diagnosed him, I think, I can't remember what it was, depression or something. And they were medicating him when in fact, decades later, he's actually diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I would say maybe it was a little bit correct that there could be depression at that time because he wasn't being diagnosed properly. Mm
1: -hmm. Or treated,
0: treated humanly. Properly. Yeah. Not even
1: by the medical community.
0: Right. So he's not being treated properly by his family or by his, uh, meaning his parents, but also by the entire school system that just keeps failing him instead of helping him and identifying really what's going on in his life. So now at 60 years old or in his 60s, he's reached out to the spirit world to say, hi, hi don't really know what I want. My group of friends have told me to call you guys. Not really sure why. And so people need or can, our listeners can go back and listen to that first session. I promised a part two, because he wanted to come back after hearing some of that, like in that first hour, he wanted help. So he booked an appointment to say, can we go a little further and dig a little bit more into this? I I want to say, too, just as part of
1: the recap, I think what had come through is that he was also now people-pleasing his immediate family that
0: he's created, so his children. And his grandchildren. Yes. Because he's isolated himself from his mom and from all of his siblings and doesn't have anything to do with them, or does, but very little. And it's always where he gets angry, and he ends up being very negative, so he's really closed all the doors with his mother and all of his siblings, even though it's a tiny bit open, it's not a good opening. It's not healthy. And, but it's now not also healthy, as you said, with his own chi- children and his own grandchildren because he's doing the people pleasing there because he doesn't want to lose the only system he's got. And especially now that he's aging and he's got some medical issues coming up and he's realizing he needs help. So he's, he's feeling very stuck. He's feeling even more unhappy and understanding, geez, I'm not that happy with my kids and my grandkids, but I don't know what to do with anything. Mm-hmm. And this is where his friends came along and said, make a phone call. And he did not want to go to therapy because when he had as a child, they treated him horribly. So now he's, he feels all those doors are shut. That's a lot of doors. Education, medicine, psychology, family. I mean, like that, that's a lot to shut down and to be that hostile towards decades later. When all of those systems have gone through growth and change. Well, we'll say to different degrees because I don't want to say
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and lump any group. To say that all therapists at that time would have done the same thing to him—that's not true. Mm-hmm. Not all teachers would have tra- Teach. Not all teachers would have treated him the same way. Not all parents would have. And you're going to hear here that there are the the spirit guides come in and try and open all the doors again. Mm-hmm. They open. They try to reach, help him reach in every single direction. So I'm going to go through it. And what I did was I wrote it down because there is a lot that they try to help him with. And again. If people are listening to this and staying tuned for all of this, this has to do with healing. This has to do with going into things with a different attitude, with a different intention. I feel like people who have been listening for four or five years are like, yeah, Karen, we know. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm glad they do. But for all of the people that are brand new, yeah. and this is their very first podcast, and they're just clicking into it, and they think, what? Healing? I thought these two were mediums. I thought they were psychics. What the hell is happening here? They don't. Not everybody understands. We have all these licenses in energy healing. We have psychology background for you in university, life coaching skills and certificate. There's so much more here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in. So the v- very first place they started. And this was a little bit all over the map, so people are going to think, geez, Karen, why didn't you get your show more organized? She, she has numbers. I do. She's as
1: organized as she can be.
0: <laughs> yes, because I'm also trying to stick to the way that his session went, and it isn't all super neatly organized, but the guides did it in the way they need, wanted to for him. And so I'm trying to still hold on to the integrity of that session for our listeners. Okay. So the very first thing they said was, why don't you call your mom? She's still alive. And he was like, well, well, I do rarely, like once a year, Mother's Day, maybe Christmas, that kind of thing. And it stays on a very superficial level, which is fine for him. But the guide said, why don't you sit down and get into a space to call her about being curious about where she was at and where your dad was at. When you were a child, why don't you listen to her story? And he was like, listen to her story. I already know it. She had this many kids. She did this. She ran this business. And and he kind of like attacked the guides back, which is what he does. So I said, Kevin, I said, could you just shut up? <laughs> and he looked at me, he was like, what? And I said, well, could you just listen And I said, I'm saying shut up because it's harsh. And I said, it's not a term I would like to say to you. And it's not how I talk as Karen personally. But the guides are standing there saying, that's enough. That's enough. Every time somebody tries to help you, you come back with attacks. You don't respect anybody unless they're as harsh as you. And he went, wow. And I said, so they came in and did something to you that you do to everybody else your mom could be kind and nice to you a sibling could be kind and nice to you a doctor could be now but you still attack you haven't dropped your attack mode in you know 50 years aren't you tired and so he sat there and went yeah i'm i'm fatigued and i said aren't you full of body pain i am I said, hasn't the body pain fatigued you so that you can just sit and be a better listener? And he goes, apparently not. So I said, well, the guides are asking you to listen to your mom and to ask her questions and just to listen. So as far as what the guides are saying currently today, your mom would like to explain what it's like to have that many children and that many businesses and how they were also dealing with other children with learning disabilities. (laughs) They were dealing with children with medical issues, with their own parents, with their own siblings, where they both had big families. There was so much on their plate, they were overwhelmed. And so they were literally trying their hardest to actually get you to the psychiatrist. They were trying their best to get you to the medical doctors. They even drove to other cities to get you help instead of just in your local city where it was a small community. And they thought, let's take him to a bigger center to see if the other doctors might have more information. And he went, well, that's true. They did take me down to these bigger cities. They did. And I said, they even packed you up in the vehicle with all your siblings, all of you. And he went, that's true. They did. And I said, Your mom might have information to help you explain that at that time and with the resources that they had and their own level of education, that they actually did extraordinary means. And he said, I've never heard the word extraordinary in reference to anybody making an effort for me. And I said, well, that's because you've never wanted to see it that way so that you could stay in your anger. And he says, and you're telling me today that my parents did extraordinary things to help me. And I said, yeah, I'm going to list them. And he was like, oh. So I literally listed the things that they did and how they even had to shelve what was going on in their career to get to those meetings. Mm. They had to put aside what was happening with their own parents and pick a child over a parent they had to pick one child over another child. Oh. And, and how hard it is to pick a child over another one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that they sat there and said, okay, we did it in this instance and we feel terrible because the other child, we couldn't do this for the other kids. We did this for him because we prioritized that he needed that and he had waited his turn. And now we will go back to the other children and we'll reprioritize and keep going. But it was constant reprioritizing crises
1: mm-hmm.
0: for decades. And I said, do you know that? And he goes, no. And I, he goes, but I didn't stick around. He says, I left. And I said, that's right. And even when you left, they kept trying to prioritize their finances to help you. So even if they knew certain children needed braces, they waited another year for the braces because the dentist said, yeah, we can do it in a year. But in the meantime, we have to send him rent because he literally won't have a roof over his head. So the braces will have to wait for two years or four years. And that child had to go through being ridiculed because of their teeth. And I said, so you've got brothers and sisters who went through and have their own stories of pain their own disappointments, their own anger with their parents about why didn't I get my braces and they're mad at their mom and dad like you are. But they don't understand that their parents prioritized you in that moment to support you Mm -hmm. and to meet your needs. And he said to me, I feel like a shit. And I said, well the guides aren't here to try to to shame you. Mm-hmm. They're, and if you feel shame, that's, that's okay. That might be part of healing. It's also good. Yes. Because
1: if he's been in attack mode and has not been willing to feel empathy, because you can't be in attack mode if you feel empathy, mm-hmm. then he's getting a little piece of his human back.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and with that, he may feel anxiety and he may feel all kinds of other things now, as a result of that. Yeah, it's
1: a vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So the guides encouraged him to call his mom and ask different questions. So that was that was one key thing. Instead of saying, What's new? How are you? And leaving it at that. And now she's giving shorter and shorter answers as she's aging. I'm fine. Okay, I guess that's good then. And they end the conversation the conversations have gotten shorter because she doesn't know how to answer the questions anymore. And I said, the guides are saying to you to ask a question like, hey, Mom, c- c- I'm, you know, I'm struggling with some stuff from childhood, can you, but can you tell me what you were going through when I went through this? And, and what was that like for you? She'll be able to remember what it was like for her. And she might even be able to remember what it was like for you with a different kind of clarity because you've been tainting it with anger your whole life. She might say you were grateful when they sent the money for your rent and your food. That you thanked them, that it made you happy, that when you got it, that they got you a job, that they paid for your courses while you were working and he went, yeah, that's, that's true. And I said, really? And you're still seeing it as that they never did enough or that they chose the other kids over you. Yeah. And I said, and yet they chose you over the other children just as they had to in many instances. And people, you're, each of you had to take turns. And he couldn't understand that. But I think in that in that moment where the guide's I want to say shocked him with the word shut up because I think that they did it for the shock value to kind of pull him or somehow relate to him and open a door with language. That maybe he listened a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then got to that place of, geez, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could ask my mom. Maybe I could get some answers instead of just saying, what's new and how are you? And I said, so... Do you want to write that down? <laughs> and he goes, "What?" I said, "Where's your pen and paper? Where's your voice recorder?" I said, "You asked for a work session today. Did you come prepared?" And he goes, "Yeah, just just to hear it." And I said to him, "I can wait a moment while you get whatever you need, if it's a pen and paper or a voice recorder." so that you can write notes because there's more here that the guides are going to tell you and you might want to write everything down. So he did, he got his stuff and then he came back and he sat down and he said, um, it, it came, recap it. He says, help me with that. And I said, okay, reach out to mom, um, ask questions about how she felt and what she was going through because that could actually highlight for you a frame of mind that your parents were in so that you understand that you were loved and supported instead of thinking that exact opposite, in spite of the fact that he already knows some of this. So then the guides moved on and said, okay, so you, you think that you know all of your siblings and you've put them all in one pot, so this is a big family. How old were some of your siblings when you left? And so he goes, well, I was 16, so that would have put this brother at this age which would have been like around 12 or 10. Well, this one would have been three. This one would have been, you know, a newborn. <laughs> and he, and I looked at him and I'm thinking, does he understand this then already? And he goes, so? And I said, so do you think the newborn and then the two and the three-year-old or whatever these ages are here, that these siblings were all against you? like Because you're you're still mad, including them. Because you put the family in one group, like you did all doctors, all psychiatrists, all teachers, you put everybody into a group and put them in and then shut the door. And I said, do you even know anything about these siblings? Well, and he could say what he knew about them based on Facebook or based on just that, you know, over the years talking to each other, you know a bit about them. But had he been there when his those kids were having their own children? No. Did he know about the careers they picked? Yeah. But if he had actually talked to some of them, he wouldn't have known how many times they changed jobs or all the things they did. And I said that to him and he goes, that would be true. Or what
1: personal struggles they had as teenagers and young adults.
0: Exactly. Or, or what they went through waiting for braces while his parents helped him. Because he left home and now they had to pay rent plus their mortgage plus their business rent and what strain his leaving put on them. And Lord knows business rent is not the only expense you have. Yeah. So he goes, oh, I, I didn't even think of any of those things. And I said, well, I think that's what the guides are trying to point out to you. And the fact that because you don't think or you don't have empathy Or that you don't actually ask yourself different questions like, what do I know about this youngest sister, brother, and so on? What do I actually know about them? The fact is you don't. You know surface things. Mm -hmm. And you don't reach out to find out. And when they've reached out to you, you just answer one word answers to shut them down so you can stay in your anger. Interesting, eh?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I said, so you are so addicted to your storyline and to your drama and to your anger that that has become what has dominated your life instead of relationships, instead of love, instead of connection, instead of curiosity, playfulness. I said, you've actually got brothers and sisters that love camping. And I know the guides are saying that you love camping you could actually reach out and meet them at a, at a camp place and actually just go kayaking or canoeing with them or sit at a bonfire or go fishing because that's what they like too. But you wouldn't even know that because you can't even get yourself to have that kind of conversation with them. You just think they're stupid. You think they're this. Mm-hmm. So I said, you, you, we need to sit down today and come up with a list of questions so that you can actually open up a conversation. So, what are your interests? So, how is your health? If you like camping, can you still camp? Or do you have pain issues? I said, So, if we change the questions, when they reach out, you'll now have a different way of responding because you have a different mindset.
1: This is, I think, a really important show for everyone. Whether you're stuck in your anger or not, whether you identify that you're stuck in your anger or not, because the bottom line is that, like Kevin, we all interpret our experiences based on our own frame of reference, based on our own state of mind, mm-hmm. based on our age at that point. Yeah. And I was just, just had a life coaching client last week who was talking about the fact that, um, she was nervous that as a parent, she was learning all these new tools and she was really excited, but she was nervous as a parent that her kid was going to end up homeless one day. I was like, that, that was catastrophic. Your kid's seven, <laughs> you know? And wow. But she was so afraid that she was going to do or say something that impacted their psychological health so badly mm-hmm. that they would be homeless. And she was like, what do I do with that? And he said, well, your job is to create safety and love as a parent, which is what Kevin's parents were doing to the very best of their ability Mm -hmm. when he was young or at all stages of their children's lives. But the kids, based on their immature frame of reference, immature just meaning no life experience and not having the critical thinking skills yet because you're seven, um, are going to interpret it how they see and feel it. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I had said to her, um, I vividly remember a friend of mine saying um, she was the youngest of three kids and her mom was putting her to bed. And she said, mom, can you read me a bedtime story? And she said, I don't have time tonight, honey. I need to just put you to bed perhaps tomorrow. So she was like, oh, okay. Well, she cracked open her door about five minutes later and heard her mom down the hall reading a story to her older sister. And her little brain literally, little, I'm not insulting her, she's a little kid, went, she loves my sister more than me. Mm-hmm. And she held on to that into her late 20s. Mm-hmm. And then in her late 20s, because she had done some, some really good deep work, had realized my older sister had an, had a later bedtime than me. Mom had time to read to her because she was five years older than me.
0: Yeah.
1: And so no matter how good of a job you do... In any relationship, we have assumptions that we make. Yeah. But like you're saying, ask a better question. Mm-hmm. Where were you at? What
0: were you going through? What were your limitations or what were your resources? Yeah. And And, you know, what were your fears for me? One of the questions he got was what, yeah, this is a big one here. To ask his mom, what were your fears for me? What would that have been like to have a child way back then, Decades ago, five decades ago, leave at 16. There weren't the social structures that we have today. Nope. So ask her what her fears were for you. Ask her if she slept at night. Mm-hmm. Ask her how hard her dad worked. It was her dad that, or his dad, pardon me, how hard his dad worked at trying to get him a job in another city that he isn't living in and how he just tried to find people to get connections to get him employment.
1: Without Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of these
0: resources that we have now to have remote jobs. Yes, because you had to pick up the phone or get in the car and drive there and ask these people. And it had to be a favor. Mm-hmm. These people had to put themselves out because this is a 16-year-old mm-hmm. that's looking for a job with, no edu- with grade 10 education.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's doable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just... He didn't put himself in his parents' position to see what they had gone through and what efforts they had done to help him have such success. So that was the question. What, and, and I think some of the questions were some of the best parts of this session, were what fears did you feel for me, or you and dad, or what fears did my brothers and sisters express about me? And he goes, what? I said, well, you had brothers and sisters that were close to your age that mourned you. And he went, what do you mean, mourned me? And I said, well, did you not ever think, Kevin, that when you left, that the brothers and sisters that were old enough to know you, sleep in the bed beside you, mourned you when you left? And he went, no. Hmm. And I said, so you, you didn't take into account that your siblings mourned you at the dinner table At the baseball diamond, in the football game, on card night, hockey night in Canada, Mm -hmm. like walking to school, having lunch, you don't think they mourned you? And he went, I don't. I never did. And I said, well, then let's add apologies. (laughs) Let's add a check-in with some of the siblings that were old enough that you might now want to call up and say, how did you feel when I left? I didn't put myself in your place. I've still been going through thinking it was all about me instead of thinking that my siblings mourned me when I left. Mm -hmm. And I said, and they thought, okay, you've moved on and you've moved away and mom and dad are taking care of you, but you'll come home for Christmas. But he didn't. He'll come home for the summer and we'll see him on a summer holiday. But he didn't because he was angry. Mm -hmm. So they didn't even understand why he didn't come home when he could uh, yeah and the psychological impact
1: of the kids or the siblings pardon me that were old enough to understand that the parents were mourning and yeah. what and, and the grief that a child would have to shoulder for their parent because a sibling
0: left yeah it was like a, it was kind of like a death yeah and yet nobody really could talk about it in those terms because he is still alive and it's just and, the, and their ages, so there's just tons of complications. Mm-hmm. And then there are the siblings that don't know him at all and have no memories of him because they were so young. And their, their lack of understanding that he's angry at everybody when they, when they were just two years old or just a newborn and didn't really understand, well, how can he be mad at me nothing occurred between us, Mm -hmm. but he still has created anger towards them. Because remember, he put them all in a group. So another good question the guides asked him is, what can you be hopeful for? And I said, so can you, can you be hopeful for a connection? Can you be hopeful for feeling a different feeling? Because currently all you feel is anger towards everybody and everything is shut down. And now because it's not going so well with your own children and grandchildren, you're starting and you're aging. So you're starting to think about these other relationships. And I said, so what can you actually say you're hopeful for? Are you hopeful that there will be a relationship with any of them? Because you have many to pick from. Could you be hopeful for support? Can you be hopeful for understanding, for empathy, what is it that you're looking for? And he goes, that's a good question. I don't even know what I'm looking for. And I said, well, why don't you use that as a homework, as something that you can just sit down and think about. And it doesn't have to be homework with a pen and paper. It could just be homework while you're gardening or while you're biking. And he goes, I like biking and gardening. And I said, yeah, I know that. I said, that's why they're saying it. It's where you do some of your best thinking. And he goes, it is. I go for long bike rides and that's where I I like to be in my own space. And I said, so why don't you think what you're hopeful for? Do you want to call one of your brothers and sisters that was close to you in age that you lost contact with and sit down and say, this is what I thought. This is what I was going through. What were you thinking and going through? Because I said, you might actually find out that they're really angry with you. Angry because, yeah, it was okay to leave and stand up for yourself. Yeah, you moved on. But it wasn't okay that you didn't come back. It wasn't okay that you didn't call them. You called home and spoke to mom and dad at Christmas and said you were okay. Can I have more money? But you didn't ask to speak to your brothers and sisters. And sometimes you did, but it was only the older brothers and sisters. It was like, well, I don't know any of the younger ones anyway, so I'm not going to bother trying. Yeah. It's crazy. And I said, well, I shouldn't say it's crazy. It's, well, it's just a
1: whole lot of self-centeredness.
0: Yeah. And it, it it took time for the guides to reword questions because I understand he's in severe narcissism. Mm-hmm. But I can't even say that to him. I can't approach that.
1: Well no, that's why the guides gave you numbers.
0: Yes. And why they gave me questions to ask him and why they coached him, or why they spoke in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Because I normally wouldn't say to a client, shut up.
1: You don't speak that way in any of your life.
0: No. Yeah. Like, like, so they had to do certain things in order to be able to reach him on his level, and then gently pull him in to say, here's a question. Because if I had said, this is how you're behaving, this is what you've done wrong, you should apologize, you... this session would have been horrible. Mm-hmm. But because they brought out the entire session and related to the way he speaks and then brought in questions for thoughtfulness that he could add to his own list of how he's thinking, that we got, I think we got a little crack. And I'm going to say that that was huge. I think that was significant to mm-hmm. get a crack in there. So one more point near the very end of the session was, the guides asked him to write down all his accomplishments. They asked him to to sit down or to sit with his kids or to sit with his current group of friends and write down what he had accomplished in his whole life. And to make sure that he didn't just ask his kids because they wouldn't see all of it. So he had had a successful career. He had um, a pension. He had a, He had benefits for when he retires. He had children, grandchildren, he had had relationships, some that were good, some that weren't. He had done some growth in looking at his own part in some of those relationships. Whatever it was, he had had his own home, whatever these things were, it, it, it doesn't matter. It was just for him to see it. And the reason is this, he just always still saw himself as the 16-year-old running, He didn't see his accomplishments and who he was as an adult. He didn't see his whole journey. So when he went to reach out to call or thought about calling any of them, he only saw the 16-year-old with nothing running from the house. He never visualized himself walking back as the adult to say, I have all these accomplishments. This is what I've done with my life. I can share that. So if somebody says, why'd you leave, man, and brings out their anger, brings out their original child pain, that he can say, I left because, and have his list of why he left. So he was encouraged to create his lists so that he would know. Mm -hmm. Well, I left because I was frustrated. I thought mom and dad were going to make me go to school. I know now they wouldn't have. I know now I didn't communicate well. But mom and dad met me where I could, where they could, because I had put up so many brick walls. So now he could sit down and answer those questions and not run. And so we were addressing the 16-year-old in the 60-some-year-old man. Mm -hmm. And I thought the guides did such an extraordinary job of pointing out to him that that he is this mature man now. And that we still needed to address the 16-year-old because that's what he had been running away from for five decades or four. And how they put all of that together for him in a structure with questions and lists. So they gave him some homework. And some they did for him. Do we know if there's going to be a part three? Um, I don't know for sure. I'm, I'm not positive he didn't say I'm calling back. He... His homework, he did he did write during the session, he did voice record. Like I said, he did go get his stuff and came back. He didn't say I will rebook again. He thanked me for the what what we did. And he thanked me for the lists and, and for the homework. I have no idea where he'll go with that. Mm-hmm. And I say I don't know because of the narcissism. Mm-hmm. Like, and as you know, Kelly. A narcissist can get through that and have their moment of opening and awakening and clarity and then just go right back into the shell, throw it all out, never listen to the recording, make fun of me or or the services or the gifts and walk away. Mm-hmm. Or if it truly is the crack where he tries some of that homework, he asks his kids some of those questions, might pick up the phone instead of saying, how are you? What's new, mom? Say some and ask a different question. Mm-hmm. So if we do get part three, I'd be more than happy again to do this. Mm-hmm. It just makes me really curious because,
1: as you're saying, you know, we're dealing with a mature man. We are not at all, but I know what you mean, mature in age. Yes, um, because none of the people pleasing has been addressed yet. Yeah. So to now, you know, we started with family of origin, or the yeah. gui- that's where the guides did, obviously. Yes. Um. To then hopefully be able to take it and go okay now the 16 year old is still present swinging yes. the pendulum in the other way yes with this other family that you've created yeah um, to create just as
0: much if not more depression yeah and we couldn't get there yeah yeah, yeah like an it's, hour it's one hour and I, I you and I both know that it can go that way if he shows up for it mm-hmm Um, whether he shows up with you and I or he books therapy and shows up and actually gets a healthy therapist. And I say healthy therapist because just like teachers and us and all people in all professions, everybody's going to get healthy and unhealthy. Or in other words, some people suck at their jobs. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And some people don't. Right. Right. Some people are very qualified and very good at their jobs, and he needs to find that professional. Mm -hmm. And I know that can be a challenge too. Oh, yeah. Because if he picks up the phone and goes for his first or, you know, Skypes or FaceTimes with his first therapist in four decades, and they're not on the good list or the qualified list, that he could just throw it right back out again and be 16. Or he could be 60-ish and say that just was not a, a prepared therapist, mm-hmm. that's okay, and find the one that is. But that's part of his growth, mm-hmm. is knowing that and moving on to find the right person because his health and relationships are what's important. Good. Yeah. I'm so enjoying Kevin. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, As much as some of the conversations with him in the actual sessions are very hard, to get around and to keep rewording things and listening to the guides so that I can say it properly. Oh, they're beautiful messages. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm loving it so much. And I really thought it was so beautiful to share with people. Cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at No matter where you're listening or watching from, thank you for joining us today. Um, If you do have time and feel inclined, please like, share, comment, review, um, write a testimonial if you wish. Anything that you do to help interact with our content helps us reach a broader base, um, and we want more educated people in this world with emotional intelligence. Have a great Saturday.